Over the last several weeks, uh, months, our pastor has been leading us through a study of the book of James. And he's gone through that study, and there's been a beautiful passage, passages that deal with the various trials that we may face going through the issues of life. And as we go through these variety of things that we go through, we know that we have that power of the strength of God working through us, and that our works are that which express that hope we have in Christ. I had the privilege also of on Wednesdays of walking with a group through the book of 1 Peter. And that book also has some uh, similar uh, phrasing of, of going through various trials. And so when Pastor David asked if I would be available this Sunday, and I began to think through passages that I might consider, thinking of James and Peter in the passages that deal with the trials, a passage just kept coming back to me that I've used before, it's uh, from Daniel chapter 3, a very familiar story, story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I encourage you to turn to that in your pew Bible. It's on page 739. Uh, I'll be reading from a Christian Standard Bible and not the ESV that you have, but they're very similar. They're almost the same. So just want you to have that. Keep your Bible open. We're going to be working our way through this passage, and then hopefully as we get to the end, be able to bring a summation of what this means for us today. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at Daniel chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, and we'll work our way all the way through this very familiar story. And I want you to see uh, various parts to this story, and I'll give a little heading to each of these. First one is the situation that we're facing, the situation that they're in, verses 1 through 3. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet high nine feet wide, and he set it on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to uh, to assemble the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to attend the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, rulers, of the provinces assembled for the dedication of the statue the king had set up. Then they stood before the statue Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now that phrase set up is referring, is is continuing on. You'll see it even more in this passage. So it's a setup for us of the situation. The situation that we have is the king has set up a statue, a golden statue, not pure gold, probably overlaid with gold, and they've got a smelting furnace out there that they've done the, the gold, that they can put it on the statue, but it's been set up in this place. So who are these individuals that are gathered? He names all these satraps, prefects, governors, all these positions of authority in the province of Babylon, in the area of Babylon, modern-day Iraq. These individuals are people who have been placed in leadership positions. You've got to go back into Daniel chapter 1 and see some of the individuals who are here. Nebuchadnezzar had gone into Jerusalem just about 600 years prior to the coming of Christ. He'd gone into, into Jerusalem. He had destroyed or taken captive the people, and he'd taken some of the brightest and the strongest of the individuals and carried them into captivity into Babylon ahead of the mass of the people. Because if he could get these individuals, get them trained in the ways that when they brought the other captives in and they were in the areas, they would have those who were over them that understood them and could direct them. 
So in this, he brought in some individuals, and we see them named in the first chapter, uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael, or three of the four of the individuals that are named. Their names are changed. Daniel's name was changed to Belteshazzar. Hananiah, uh, Azariah, and Mishael, their names were changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these are individuals who've been brought in. They're a part of this gathering of individuals. And so the situation we have, all these people gathered in this location, there's a statue set up. And so now we'll see not only the situation, but the proclamation. Verses 4 through 6. A herald loudly proclaimed, people of every nation, language, you are commanded when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. So the proclamation has been made. You see the, see the statue, you see the music, you, hear, you see the band over here? When they start playing the music, you bow down. So these individuals were here, and it was time to face the music. To face the music of, okay, we're going to bow down to this statue that's been made. And so verse 7, we see the prostration. Therefore, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, and every kind of music, people of every nation and language fell down and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And I think that's interesting phrasing that they put in, they have in there, of the King Nebuchadnezzar had set up this statue. Because you go back to Psalm chapter 2, uh, the, uh, Psalm 2, says, Why do the nations rebel and people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers conspire together against the Lord, his anointed one. Let us tear off the chains and free ourselves from the restraints. And that's what our world does today. The world sets up so many other things that it can be the altar that we are to bow down to because the world says we want to tear off the restraints, the restraints of a God who tells us how to live our life. We want to tear those restraints off and we want to bow down to the idols that we have. So the situation we have Gathered together, a proclamation made, you hear the sound of the music, you bow down to this idol, and everybody bowed down. Almost everybody. Because you look at the accusation, beginning of verse 8. Some Chaldeans, the Chaldeans were the native people of the region. They were a little jealous of this group who had been brought in from Jerusalem put into high positions of leadership, a little jealous of these individuals. Some Chaldeans took the occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. The word accuse there is a word that literally means to pick the pieces apart. It's the picture of a vulture over a carcass, picking the pieces. And so when we find ourselves making a stand for our faith or living out for our faith and making that stand, there will be those who come and accuse us, and they literally are picking the pieces of us when we make those stands. He says, they said to the king, may you live forever. As king, you have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of all these music instruments, whoever does not fall down will be thrown in the furnace of blazing fire. Now, 
we're looking at the accusation. So look at this word. There are some Jews you have appointed. They're not only accusing these Jews of not bowing down, they're accusing Nebuchadnezzar. It's your fault. You've placed these guys in leadership. Now look what they're doing. You have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king, and do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You've got these three individuals who are not obeying. What are you going to do? There's an accusation that's made against these three individuals. So let's look at the examination that Nebuchadnezzar has beginning in verse 13. Then in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my God, my gods, or worship the gold statue I've set up? Now if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the drum, every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I've made. But if you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown in a furnace of blazing fire. Who is the God who can rescue you from my power? So this examination, you know, we stand for our faith. We stand strong at times of, in, of, of, of trial. We have those who are accusing us, but we also have people who are examining us. They look at us and say, is it true? It's not a question, did you stand or did you bow? It was obvious they had not bowed. This is not a question of true or false. This is a question of motives. Why did you do this? What's your motive behind it? You've got some other motive. And so when we stand for our faith, we stand strong in our life, we stand against the idols of this world, people are going to question our motives, why we do these things. Not only they question the motive, they give us other opportunities to fail. He said, now, when you hear the music, when you face the music, you get another opportunity. They watch to see when you fail, when you fall on your face at, at times when, you, when you're weak. They look to see you fail, and they give you other opportunities. Also, you see, they begin to cast doubts. Who is the God who's going to save you? Who is the God? Where is God? And then they also foster fear. Who's going to rescue you out of the situation? So we find ourselves in the situation. Everybody else, we hear the proclamation of the world saying these are the gods to bow down to. We as believers in Christ say these are things we will not bow down to. And then we get accusations against us. We get questioning our motives. We get other opportunities to fail. We, we begin to wonder, is God here? Or we begin to hear other people begin to cast those doubts and they foster the fear, what's going to happen to you if you don't bow down? So there's that examination that came. So we look, beginning at verse 16, the explanation given by these three young men. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then we, he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, in the original it's just a couple of words, and if not, we want you, O king, to know we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. In First Peter, 
Peter says and gives encouragement to those who are facing the various trials they're going through. He said, always sanctify the Lord Jesus in your heart and be ready at any moment to give a reason for the hope that's in you. Always be ready. Always be there and prepared, knowing that you can give that response when people ask, when they question your motives, when they challenge you. Be ready in your heart. And what these three individuals said, these three young men, I've already said their names were changed. Their their place was changed. They were changed from Jerusalem, brought to Babylon. Their names were changed from Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. All these names were names that gave honor and praise to the God of Israel. Their names were changed into names that gave praise to the, the gods of Babylon. And so what they said, you can change our location, you can change our names, but you can never change our heart. Our heart is dedicated and given to the Lord God, and we will not worship any other gods that you set before us, no matter the consequences. So they stood before the king and gave those words to say that they will not bow down. Well, this brings us to the incineration. Look at verse 19. And Nebuchadnezzar was filled with rage, and the expression of his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He gave orders to heat the furnace seven times more than was customary. He commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So these men in their trousers, robes, and head coverings, and outer clothes were tied up and thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Since the king's command was so urgent and the furnace extremely hot, the raging flames killed the men who carried Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego up. And these three men fell, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Peter writes to us or tells those in those early days of of the Christian faith He talks about the need to stand. He said in 1 Peter chapter 4, he says, Dear friends, when the fiery ordeal arises among you to test you, don't be surprised by it, as if it's something unusual happening to you. Instead, as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah, rejoice that you also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of his glory. If you're ridiculed for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory of God rests on you. None of you, however, should suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he should not be ashamed, but should glorify God with that name. Then James chapter 1 says, Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testimony of your faith produces endurance, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete lacking nothing. So the, the ordeals that, we, that come to our life, standing for the name of Christ, standing for our faith, those things are coming. He says, don't be surprised when you face the fiery trials that you face. They're coming. James said there are various trials, multicolored trials that come our way. And so we face that incineration of this world, things around this world. They want to destroy our faith, and those do not want us to stand strong in that faith. And you may face those those things from time to time. 
So now we see that incineration. We see the observation made beginning in verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in alarm. He said to his advisors, didn't we throw three men bound into the fire? Yes, of course, your majesty, they replied. He exclaimed, look, I see four men, not tied, walking around in the fire unharmed. The fourth looks like the son of the gods. So Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of the fire and called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. When the satraps, prefects, governors, and king's advisors gathered around, they saw that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men. Not a hair of the head was singed. Their robes were unaffected. There was no smell of fire on them. As I said in the previous service, that's, that's just almost impossible to believe. Just almost impossible to believe what they're just saying right here in this passage. We in the South know that you go to a barbecue place, you're going to smell like barbecue the rest of the day. And so this is just, it's hard to believe this passage saying that there was no smell of smoke on them. I had barbecue Friday, went and made hospital visits. I'm in the elevator, everybody's sniffing of me. And, and because we smell like that. So these individuals, they've been thrown into the fire and they've come out unaffected. Now, all the way through this passage, the natural application for us is that we are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and we're the ones standing for our faith against the trials of this world, and this is a moral story on how to stand strong when you face your trials. But if every one of us were a little bit more honest, we would look at this passage and we would say, we're probably not really Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're probably closer to Nebuchadnezzar. We've set up our own little idols. We set up our own life, things in our life that we want to have supreme in our life. And we have these things that we want everybody else to bow down to and accept. This is my life, my lifestyle. This is my life. This is who I want to be. These are the things I want to do. This is my life. And we have set these things up as our idols. And we want everybody else to bow down to that. We want to set off the chains that shackle us and be free to have our own idols. Or maybe we're the orchestra. We're fiddling around while other people are suffering. And we're just being non-complicit. We're not complicit. We're just fiddling around doing our thing, other people suffering. Or maybe we're the accusers. We see other people getting things they want, other, thing, other people having life as they want it, and we're accusing them, we're questioning their motives, we're wanting to see them fall, we want to see things bad happen to them. Or maybe we're those soldiers. We think, okay, I'm just going to get close to the fire, it's going to get close to this, and it's not going to affect me, but then we realize too late, we're too close, and we get burned ourselves. The point that I'm trying to make with this is we're in need of a rescuer. Who is going to rescue you from the furnace? And if we really want to see this passage as what it really is, this is not a moral story on how you can stand strong. It's a reminder to us that we're weak, that we need a rescuer. The Bible's not a series of moral stories telling you how to live a good life. The Bible is one story, 
It is one story that tells us that God is creator of this world. He is the sustainer of this world. He is the judge of this world. And he has revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ in a way that he takes us in our sin, in our need for rescue. We're the ones, we're facing the music, we're facing the trial of our life, and that is our sin. And we need a rescuer. And there was one who came. And Jesus Christ is the one who stood there at the very mouth of the furnace of sin and death, and he took it upon himself, and he died for our sins. Pilate said to him, don't you know I have power over your life? And Jesus said back, you have no power but that which is given to you. Jesus surrendered his life to the blazing fire of our sin, and he came out. The resurrection changes everything, and it is by his power of his resurrection we live. We don't live in the power of our own strength. We don't stand against the trials of this world in our own strength. We don't read the Bible to find out how can I be stronger. We read the Bible to find out I am weak. I am failing, failing in this, this world in which I live. And I need a rescuer to come and to be beside me. And there you see in the fire four, one who is as the Son of God. It is the presence of God with us in those trials that is our strength. It's not us. It's him resting upon us. And so we see not only the situation that these individuals faced, we know our situation. We hear the proclamation of the world and our own proclamations that we make. We, we see the prostration of others, and we know that we have prostrated down before other idols, and we hear the accusations made. We hear the, see the examination given, and we try to explain our life, but we need to understand we can't explain it beyond our own weakness. And then there's that incineration that Jesus Christ faced for us that in faith in Jesus Christ, we know he is with us in the trial in which we go. And we can walk with him in the trial. He's there with us. So that's the observation. So let's look at the exclamation, verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar exclaimed, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel. He sent his messenger and rescued his servants who trusted in him. They violated the king's command. They risked their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. We needed a rescuer, and God sent that rescuer to us. And now sin and death have been defeated, and in that we have strength and power to stand, not in our strength. And we see the declaration. Therefore, I issue a decree that anyone, any people, a nation, a language who says anything offensive against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be torn limb from limb, house made a garbage dump, for there is no other God who is able to deliver like this. Then the king rewarded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Happy ending to a very tragic story could have been. It's not always happy for everybody else. There are people today all over this world who suffer persecution because of their faith. They go through some horrendous, fiery trials that we can never understand. But they stand with that same faith, knowing that you may take this body 
You may destroy this body, but you will never destroy this soul, this heart that is given to God. So as you face the music, when times come, let me give you three strengths that these individuals had. These three young men had three strengths going for them that we can have today that is not our own strength, but strength that God can provide. First of all, they had good friends. They had the strength of good friends. These three men stood together, and they had those good friends. What you've got to have is those individuals who believe and follow and trust in the same Lord Jesus Christ that you have, that you know them as the ones who are there with you as you go through your trials, and every one of you have gone through issues in your life, and you know how important that life group has been to you, how important those group of friends that you have within the body of this church or your other friends that you have who commonly have a faith in Jesus Christ, how important it is to have good friends. I encourage you, if you don't have a body in which you're growing in your faith, that you come within this church to one of our life groups or other uh, things going on, that you can grow in your faith and have those good friends to stand with you in the trials you face. Second thing they had was the presence of, was, was, is the Word of God. Is the Word of God. Now, they didn't have the Bible like we have today, but they had the Word of God in their heart. And those three guys, when they stood there and the music played, they already knew what they were going to do. There was no question. They already had in their heart, thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not make any graven images. They already knew that in their heart. And when they saw it and they heard the music, there was no question in their mind that they would not bow down. They had God's word in their heart. Ivan Bishop used to sit right over there Ivan Bishop passed away a couple of weeks ago at the age of 103. The family sent to me in preparation for the funeral for her. And these last, last November, I believe it was, she, her memory or ability to be able to communicate in so many ways was gone. Her knowledge of the people who were coming to see her was gone. But one of the grandchildren began to quote her favorite passage of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm. And she began to say those words. She began to repeat those words with them. Everything else was gone from her memory, but the Word of God was in her heart. That didn't just happen at the last minute. It was because she planted it there. So I'd encourage you that you have the Word of God in your heart. So the music plays. When you hear the sound of the music and everybody else is bowing down, you already know in your heart what you will do. You make your rule while it's cool, not when it's hot. Because when it's hot, you'll bow down. But when you already have it in your heart and you know what you're going to do, you can stand. And it's by the power of God through his word that's there. The third thing these fellows had, not only good friends, not only the God's word, but they had God's presence. God's presence was with them in that fire. It says a son of God. It's, there are Christophanies in the Old Testament. That means appearances of Christ in the Old Testament whether or not this is Christ, but it is, it is definitely the Spirit of God there with them. There with them in that trial. And they had that presence with them. And that's what you have today too. So, I don't know your situation. I don't know the proclamation that's been made by others in your, around you. I don't know how everybody else is bowing down, prostration to things. I don't know the accusations made against you or the examination made against you. 
but always be ready to make a statement of your faith. So when you face the incineration of the trials that you're going through, you know you've already had one, Jesus the Christ, who has gone through the greatest trial ever faced. He has conquered sin and death, and he is there for you. He is with you in the trial as you go through it. So the declaration that is made by those who observe what God is doing to you is that Jesus Christ is Lord. So as you face the music, as you face the music, you don't go in your strength. This is not a moral story of how to be strong. This is one story telling us we're weak and we trust in the one who has won the victory. And in that, we stand and we pray. Father, we thank you for this passage. An Old Testament story that reminds us of the gospel truth. We need a rescuer. And you've provided that for us through Jesus Christ. So now we come in this time of invitation. If we have been standing in our own strength trying to fight the battles of this world, and we realize we can't do this alone. We need a rescuer, a savior. If there's anyone here who's never made that sure in their life that Jesus Christ is their Lord, I pray that today that this be the moment for them to profess Christ as Savior. There are others here who are looking for a place where they can grow and find friends and others that they can grow in your word and may know your spirit's presence with them and they're looking for a church family. This invitation is an opportunity to come and plant themselves here in this church may grow and know that when the music comes, when they face the music, they have the strength that comes through your presence. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.